This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve once again welcome Miles to the show, a man whose insights cut sharper than a surgeon's scalpel to help us pass the blood test and review the once reviled and now widely celebrated John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Join us as we learn what four and a baby means by way of one of the many porpoise patron saints, Young Jeezy, stand in awe of Rob Bottin's absolute unit of a hairpiece, and discuss more of the background of the thing, including why it was so poorly received initially and now is one of the most highly revered horror films of all time. The porpoises, midnight companions, and keen observers dare to overcome cabin fever and widespread paranoia in this journey through the frozen wastelands where shapeshifters lurk, trust is a rare commodity, and the only thing colder than the ice is G-Baby's ex's heart. Allow me to break the ice. Could you spot a guava in a lineup full of exotic fruits? Let's wax this porpoise from another world. Chase, don't do that. I know this guy knows using knowledge is limited at best. Yeah. I know he knows thug thug motivation like the back of his hand, so I tried to I tried to really get some choice nugs this time. So uh and if you got anything like tidbits or anything about like the apocalypse trilogy or like just anything any of your any of your secret wisdom about the thing that you want to go off on fucking Yeah, I've got a bunch of periphery knowledge about um the related media too, like um, the book and uh, the um, like the the original from the fifties, and there's the a Howard video Hux game movie, yeah, yeah, and there's a video game spinoff, and okay, cool, because I've that's that's one thing I didn't focus on at all, um, this time, so that'll be that'll be nice to have that. So I'm not talking out of my asshole as per <laughs> usual. Um, all right, let's let's get this thing going. Let me take a little swaggle or something, and then we'll we'll hit it. What you sipping on, Malort? Oh no, never again! I remember I swore that off, and I mean it. No, I still got some of that uh, Dan Aykroyd Crystal Head. Oh, nice! And I got, dude. I've been searching for it, and I couldn't find it. Like I was like, look, I I had stooped to like looking up grocery stores, online inventory to see if they had it kind of shit. Like, and, uh, I finally found it was Mountain Dew Baja Blast, but it's like one of their variants. It, this is the Caribbean splash Baja Caribbean, Baja Car- Caribbean splash with guava. I was Sounds like, disgusting. I need to have, <laughs> dude, it's I'm not a delicious. I'm not either, but only for Baja blast. And then ever since they started coming out with these, uh, like they have like a passion fruit Baja and they have this this one and then um something else, but yeah. I go nuts for it. And the uh the fucking Mountain Dew Voodoo, the like Halloween like mystery flavor that they've done for a few years. I got that in zero sugar and it tastes like Swedish fish. Oh my so God. it's so bomb. <laughs> Delicious. The only way I feel like this shit could get worse is if it's zero sugar. Oh my god. I'll pray for your diarrhea. Super lows. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to watch my figure. 
Ugh. God, that sounds disgusting. It's pretty bomb, dude. Guava? I thought once you moved to the Midwest, you had to drink nothing but Fago. <laughs> they do They do have that shit out here, man. It's pretty unreal. Like, they have whole aisles at, at Meyer, which is like the Midwest Target. They're Fago for days. You could show me a picture of a guava. I wouldn't know what the fuck it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck a guava looks like. <laughs> It looks on the outside, like the rind in the flesh, it looks okay. like a mango. Okay. So picture a mango, but it's it's bit it's a bit tougher okay. than a mango. Um but I'll then on the it. inside, I mean, it looks like a it looks like a cooter. It's it's pink and it's yeah. got like it's got uh black seeds that kind of go up in a in a okay. canoe yeah, yeah, yeah. shape. So hmm. yeah. But guavas are fucking bomb, man. It, they're like they're like a cross between like a papaya and something else that I can't put my finger on. But it's like that kind of tropical. Yeah. But it doesn't go in the mango direction. Like I feel like a papaya and guava, like that's a fork in the road. Gotcha. Where it's more my style. But fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Every I remember Safeway back on the West Coast. Yeah, going back to it. More guava talk. The, no. <laughs> Exotic fruits, dick? No. Uh, Has <laughs> ever had a lychee berry? Yeah, like the the Knob Hill or whatever there. They'd I'd, they'd have like a an exotic, they'd have like three or four fruits that were like crazy, like a cherimoya and like uh, like Asian pears or uh, like those little fucking fat bananas that are like red and shit. Like mm-hmm. every once in a while, I'd get a wild hair and get I'd just crazy. pick one at random. Just, just go nuts, you know? So <laughs> cherimoyas are fucking gross. So I, w- I will say that, dude. It's like that, uh, like that jackfruit. I think it's in that family where it's like it's you can substitute it for like meat. For meat, yeah. And it's it's got a weird kind of like custard, like banana yet fibrous thing going on. That's just yeah. it's not very appealing. Like a plantain. <laughs> yeah, only worse because I like I like plantains pretty good, especially if they're fried in fat and butter. I like um, pigs' feet. all right well that's enough uh exotic fruit talk yeah (laughs) exotic fruits corner welcome back to waxing the porpoise uh we are on episode 75 uh we're talking about the thing this evening and we brought on a special guest uh to help us cover our our lack of knowledge in this area in horror and cosmic horror so first you got myself jim g baby Oh my God! What? You're from the '60s. And of course, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Just ask about so. <laughs> How's it going, man? Doing wonderful. How about you? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Uh, and then, as uh, I alluded to earlier, we have a special guest. We have brought on Miles yet again uh, to talk about the thing. New York is great. I don't know if you recognize that one, and I it, the audio is shit. But I was like, I want to play it anyway. Someone what at was like that? A, it was someone at a at a con was um, 
asking a question to John Carpenter and said, oh, you know, I was, a, I was a, <laughs> is that he's asking yeah. about uh, escape from is escape from L.A.? Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't find a better version of that. But basically, yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, we were on board with uh, Escape from New York. But what happened with Escape from L.A.? Come on. And he's all, fuck you. Just like right off the top. Classic question to ask. Yeah. But in in classic uh, Carpenter curmudgeon form, uh, he was he was right on it. So. So how's it going, man? Thank you again for joining us on short notice. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I um happy to come and talk about this movie uh that no one has heard of before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing? Never heard of her. Um yeah, I I'm excited. I know you're a huge fan of this and you you had said in the past uh you wanted to come on for this uh which helps me cuz I I'm not the biggest, I'm not the foremost uh thing fan or uh not super super knowledgeable about it, but um I just don't think I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy this flick a lot. I think it's great. I just don't think I like it as much as some other people I know, you know, like I'm not, I'm not super huge on the whole cosmic horror trip. I'm like, I I think it's cool, but it's not my favorite. It's, it's not what gets me my horror juices pumping, I guess, but there is more to, to it than that. Um, but anywho, um, yeah, that's, that's what we'll be talking about tonight. Um, and before we do, I wanted to, uh, get into a second round of, um, finish the lyric young Jeezy edition. Um, are you ready, Steve? Sure. Get right into it. Pressure's on. All right. So this is from, uh, this is going to be like the least interesting thing for people to listen to in the world. (laughs) That doesn't mean I don't want to do it. Uh, I've, I've, I've added a wrinkle at the end. I added a bonus question, which I think will be fun. fun. So first track, we'll go three three tracks uh, again for review. This is all from uh, Let's Get It, Thug Motivation 101 <laughs> album from 2003. Um, so this yeah. is from the track Last of a Dying Breed. Uh, I see death around the Kona, and I ain't scared. I got a carbon 15, and I'm fully prepared. Lord of Mercy, 20 rounds in a clip. Out of line, get. Oh, man. It would be it would be helpful if I could hear it, not 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 to diminish your uh, <laughs> your elocution of it, but it's just not quite the same. My slam um, poetry, young Jeezy. Yeah, I give got a cop of fifteen, and I'm fully prepared. That's right, Lord of Mercy, twenty rounds in the clip. Yeah, out of line, get. Man, I don't know. Twenty well, rounds one. in your hip, hey. Yeah. No. Okay. Just- All right. Second. Second one. This is from uh, Air Forces. Yeah. Keep keep bread so we carry them toasters, but yeah. keep back though. I I don't know exactly what he says, but he says like <laughs> my hair is my something is ferocious. I don't know what yes. he's saying. He's saying my earrings, but he's wrapping it where yeah. it's it's like orangs. Yeah. Keep bread so we carry them toasters, but keep back though my earrings ferocious. Yeah, he enunciates yeah. it like super crazy. Well, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
that's one I picked out. I was like, yes, that that'll be one. Well, then it doesn't doesn't it go into like one night, eight bitches, ten bottles of Chris, forty grand spent just to make you glance at my wrists. Yeah. <laughs> True wordsmith of our yeah. time. I can't believe that album was from two thousand three. Holy shit! Yeah, man. Fucking twenty year Annie. All right, so third and final, we got uh, tr- this is from Trap Star. Uh, <laughs> I know you're probably not going to get this one, but this is fun. Uh, run the streets all day. I don't get no sleep. Eat at. Uh, <laughs> what does he say? Like spun dinners four times a week or something like that. I don't know what he's saying. And I've it's... apparently been singing the words wrong for 20 years. So. Yeah. Spun, I, I mean, spun, spun differs or something spun like that. divots, which okay. I guess is a seafood and steak restaurant high end in Atlanta, Georgia, that he used to go to all the time. But I love the way he says it, like eat at spun divots four times a week. So you yeah. almost ha- you were right there with the spun divots, kind of phonetically. <laughs> uh, I was in the ballpark at least. <laughs> Uh, okay, the last part, this is bonus snowman trivia. So I'm gonna just going to read these two verses and then uh, pose you the question and see if you can answer. So uh, I can't remember what song this is from, but... Uh, if if keep you haven't wi- listened to this album, it's so bad, <laughs> but it's so good. It's so fucking good. It's a fucking banger. Like, you can just put... you. It, this is a no-skipper. Um, keep the white girl, yeah, forever, my lady. Two grand flat get you four and a baby. Yeah. What does four and a baby mean? Um, for two grand. Um, hmm. <laughs> if you decide to phone a black guy, I'm the wrong one. I didn't Every, know this. Each time we play this game, I always feel like he's going to try to trick me into trying to say like a racial slur or something. That's, um, <laughs> no, I was just about to say that. I was, I was, I was just about to say props to Jim because you're a better man than I was for not picking any lyrics yeah, out gonna, the N-word. I'm going to say like some slang that I don't realize is like super offensive. Yeah. So two, two grand flat gets you four and a baby. Um, Come on. Kilograms? You're on the right track, but in, uh, in the interest of not belaboring this um, segment, yeah. which is crushing right now, uh, four and a baby means <laughs> this phrase refers to an eighth of a kilo of cocaine, approximately 125 grams, which breaks down to four full ounces. In addition to the, the 13 gram, which is just a short, which is just short of a half ounce. Thus, the baby refers to the short half ounce. Well, and I think the the lyrics go go on to say like five thousand for the pound gets you curb service, and then he says, "I sell a lot of grass, like I got a lawn service." Lawn service. Nobody yeah. sells. Nobody sells. Gr- like that's not how grass. lawn service works. Yeah, you're taking it away. <laughs> you're getting rid of that. That's that's just the kind of lyrical <laughs> genius you, you folks are missing out that's on. Bad. Oh man, 
That's, four that's like half of the entertainment, though. Like some of it is just fun to listen to, and some of it's like, wait, what? That doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that shit fucking slaps, though. Like, if you're like trying to like just put your head down and get some work done, like, yeah, yeah, or drive I... aggressively and get mad at other people. <laughs> good for that. Just sound try and sound tough as fuck. Um. Cool. So that was our young Jeezy. Sorry. Sorry about that. Finish the lyric that will probably <laughs> retire now. Um, before we get into the thing, uh, what have you guys been up to? Anything you guys want to talk about before we get into the flick? What's new? What do you hear? I'll start. Uh, I just went to... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I went this past weekend to the 40th anniversary of Christine was playing in select theaters and we've covered that probably around this time last year. Uh, we covered Christine um, and I took my brother-in-law Carl and my nephew Landon and we had a, we had a fucking ball. So uh, that was awesome. Well for the younger generation. They look uh, well, Landon, he's 14. He dug it. Like he, there's, there's a lot of parts. He's actually laughing. Uh, like some of the vernacular one yes. in particular, like the old fucker, uh, at the, like Darnell at the chop shop. He's like, listen, I know you don't have money exactly falling out of your asshole. Like he fucking lost it at that part. There's a couple parts where he, he really got a good kick out of it. But, um, yeah. That's, my, your, favorite, my, that's your favorite carpenter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. It's, it's like top two or three. It fluctuates, okay. but. I think because of the recency, I just I had just watched that one within the last three years, and so it shot right up to the top. Kind of, it's like my the hot hand. I'll go with that one. But um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It was it was super cool being able to. I've never lived lived in a big enough city where they have like different more than one type of theater chain or like independent places where they'll go and they'll they'll play older films, you know, just like on a one-off kind of thing. So when I saw Regal was doing that, I fucking jumped on it and bought tickets like three weeks ago. So yeah, it was fun. Super fun experience. Um, I, love, I love Fathom events. Yeah, that's what it was. You, yeah. Especially if you don't have it, like you said, an, an indie theater that show or like an Alamo or something that shows older movies regularly. Yeah. I, um, I, I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina for the past, four months um and they have an alamo there it's the only one i think it's the only one i mean definitely the only one in north carolina i think it's one of the only ones in the south and i fucking love that theater man like i'd, I'd fallen out of love with going to the theater just because poor experiences but fuck mm-hmm. man, the alamo the alamo is so great like i it kind of it kind of spoiled me because like just the like everybody's super respectful there like i've never had anybody issue talking um, and they, they, they show, um, curated, like special movies every, like a couple times a week, like, horror, like Tuesday nights, they show horror movies, Wednesdays, they'll show kind of cult movies. And, um, I think in, I think in the four months I went there, I went to the movie like, like 25 times or something like that. Damn. Like, damn. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I've heard a lot about, uh, Alamos. It was like, I'd, I'd never heard what that was in for maybe like five or 10 years ago and like realized like. It's like the, uh, it's like the the place you want to go, like the movie goers, movie house kind of yeah, place. Like they don't put yeah. up with no shit, and like you you can't be like loud and like what what's what's like an experience that's that makes it so much different from just going to like the show, you know, a regular theater. Um, 
it's it's hard to say. I mean, the it's it's um well for one they make a they make a big deal out of um they 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 have a they will have a special message before the movie like hey don't talk or we're gonna have to ask you to leave like if you see anybody talking on their phone hit the button just let us know write it on a card and if it gets to that point we'll we'll get kick somebody out you know we'll kick them out if uh if it gets to that um just everybody be cool and um and enjoy the movie and and it's fun and the message is usually like funny like they have like um they'll have like actors and like uh, directors and stuff like record like special messages just for alamo like when i went to see talk to me they had the directors they're like uh they're like yeah guys don't be dicks like just watch our movie <laughs> like chill out <laughs> that's cool yeah. when you say hit the button does every oh, so that, seat have like a silent alarm button on it well so there so they have um they have a pretty extensive like they have a whole kitchen there they have like a whole like uh uh kitchen with a you know full it's like it's like a restaurant almost. So they have like burgers okay. and pizza and stuff, and you, you can and, and drinks on tap and stuff. So you can hit the button, and if you want to order something, you write it on a card. They come and get the card. So, so yeah, I, if you it's if like you a wanted, studio movie grill. If you're so if you wanted to those, complain Steve. about somebody, you'd hit the button and then write on the card like, yeah. get this, yeah. get this motherfucker eleven yeah. <laughs> J out of here. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> These two bogeys right here. Yeah, but in all the times I went, I never saw anybody, um, you know, talk or I saw one person on their phone one time, but that was about it. And the, and the multiple times I went, but yeah, it's sick. I've always I, wondered. I, I thought they were going to expand to like San Francisco. I don't know if that happened or if that got put on hold because of the pandemic, but uh, I saw they were tr- they were supposed to sp- expand to like one or two other like bigger cities outside of the South. But so in the in these theaters that serve food, is the lighting do they do they go fully like pitch black or do they leave it kind of low? The Alamo's inter- the Alamo's interesting because it has it has lights under the seat. So it has like on the armrest there there's lights lining the seat. So it's not where it, it's shining in your face, but if you if you look down like your waist and stuff is kind of illuminated. So oh, it's it's not it's not distracting. Yeah, cuz and just the way they position them, it's uh it doesn't really you can't really see it, I guess, unless you're like looking down. Yeah, it's pretty similar to my experience. I've only gone to one like that. It's called the Studio Movie Grill. Yeah, where they have food and it's got like a little like a like an airplane or like an, one of those old school desks where it's got yeah. a little flip out thing that you can use as a table and it has like a button button embedded. So it's pretty cool though like if you just want to fucking have a drink or like yeah. top off my beer or something, somebody comes right over and they like they duck down and it's pretty it it doesn't take away from the experience, which at first I thought it was. I was like, this is pretty fucking gimmicky. I was like, I want to go watch a movie. I don't want to fucking eat and have people like ordering and right, blah, right. blah, blah. It's, it's really not like that. You can hardly tell. You didn't but, get a big old plate of spaghetti to eat in the middle of the movie? No. I got nachos one time, which in the dark was a fucking mistake. Yeah. <laughs> salsa and fucking like jalapeno bits like all over me and shit like that I'd, well and you like, can't oh, you can't divvy up the proportions the way you'd like for the chips yeah and it was kind of a big daddy situation too like quiet parts like spoken like <laughs> yeah. where people are just like in a room you're just like <laughs> <laughs> shit wait for a, a bomb to go off um yeah, that's cool. I'm envious. I've always wanted to go. Just besides that, like all the different variety of cool shit that they play, mm. like that's fucking just the idea of that and getting to go watch 
experience something that you missed and yeah, because you're yeah. you're too young to have seen it in the theater is pretty cool that you give you get another chance at that but um Steve you got anything if you when's the last time you went to the show Oppenheimer uh yep that was the last one I went to I think the next one I mean the only thing out right now that looks interesting to me is obviously the equalizer 3 I've heard I haven't heard uh shining reviews for that one heretics I'm sure it's going <laughs> to I'm sure it's going to be a delight Yeah I'll I'm going to wait for streaming on that one I think but even though it is the patron saint Denzel yeah um you can do no wrong that's right all right well why don't we just get into this thing uh here uh so the movie again needs no introduction the thing from 1982 you want to start us off on a little bit of like uh the background from uh like it was a short story first and then it was it was adapted in like the 50s. This is a big blind spot to me too. Yeah, I only yeah. know that Howard Hawks was the director of the first yeah, one. So, and it came um, from a book. I forget exactly when the book was written. I should probably have that information. Um, but uh, yeah, so it started I think it was as, like 32 or something. Something in like the 30s, I want to say. I think like, so. That could be wrong. I think so. Um, but um, yeah, it was a um, short story. Um, that it got adapted. Um, I forget the name of the director. Who, a lot of people think Howard Hawks directed the the fifties version, uh, but his his name is actually isn't he? It's he's producing. It's it's almost like a and I can't remember the director's name off the top of my head, but it's almost like a Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg type of situation with Poltergeist. Oh, with Poltergeist. Where people think he shadow directed it. So right. people, a lot of people think um, Howard Hawks actually like shadow directed that movie and not the actual director that's on it. But huh. um, but yeah, a lot of people think because uh, this means Howard Hawks is the thing from another world um but uh a lot of people don't a lot of it's it, he's not the actual director listed on it um and i'm the name of the actual director is uh, blanking on me but yeah they adapted it um the thing from another world is from the 50s um pretty well known influential sci-fi movie from the time um it is not it's not that faithful to the book like it has the same setup but the whole shape-shifting aspect of it is not in that movie. Just because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the 50s, like, how the how the fuck are you going to do that? Um, right. So, it's, uh, the creature in it is, um, he's like a, he's like a vegetable man, I guess. He, he's a, he's a, <laughs> it's like a humanoid, like, like creature, but it, they find out he has actually, like, ma- he's not, he's not an animal. It's like plant life. So, it's like, um. Gotcha. So he's like, he's like a walking plant. Um, so, uh, fucking Groot. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they, uh, yeah. So that was, that was really influential. Um, John Carpenter loved it as a kid. And if you ever watch, uh, Halloween, uh, the original Halloween, the kids that Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting are watching the original of the thing. Oh, and, yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, they're watching the thing from the fifties because um, John Carpenter was a big fan of that. And then this movie, uh, I think they had been floating around remaking it for a couple of years, um, like late seventies, early eighties. And uh, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Toby Hooper was attached to it for a while. And I think it was supposed to be a, a comedy. And uh, <laughs> I think it eventually came to John Carpenter, and he uh, 
you know, he, he, it, he stamped that shit out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could, it could have, it could have been a very different movie, but the, the John Carpenter's the eighties one, this one is, um, it's, I think it's a lot more faithful to the short story. I, I tried reading, I tried reading the short story. Um, they actually found, this was like five years ago. They found a longer novella version of it. So it's like twice as long as the original Weird. short story that we, that was, um, that was, known for years and they kind of released this extended version of it called uh frozen hell i think it is but um yeah i tried reading that and that shit was it was boring as fuck i couldn't <laughs> i didn't finish it i'm gonna have to go back and try to read the actual short story because like i'm like oh i'm like god damn like i don't know if the rest of it's that boring but i'm like i can tell why he cut this shit out like it was, it's really dry nice cool well that's some, that's interesting background on it and bringing it back to uh toby hooper connection um yeah I, I didn't anything from like the 30s and i hear short story i'm like fuck that'll that'll probably just put me right into a coma yeah. um and i i don't know like the 50s kind of stuff i'm still a little jaded and like i just i just think it I've been proven wrong with with stuff, but like I don't know. I I, I think my attention span is just fucking fried for that kind it's de- of thing. It's definitely it's definitely dated. Like it definitely is of its time into the fifties R movie, but uh, the dialogue surprisingly feels pretty modern, and uh, it's got it's got a couple like legitimately creepy scenes in it. Um, right on. Yeah, and I think I think that movie. I'm, if I'm, I think I'm pretty sure, but I think that movie has the first on screen like full body like fire stunt ever put on film oh like, wow lit a motherfucker on fire like they'd never <laughs> done that in a movie before and they huh. i think that's the first movie that did that damn man can you imagine being the first like the first wave like what kind of protocols <laughs> set you like... on fire <laughs> and film it. yeah they just actually <laughs> you're gonna well, be on fire hopefully and it was, we'll put you out it was... Yeah, hopefully it was done intentionally and not like, oh shit, we accidentally lit this guy on fire. Yeah, uh, fuck it, leave, leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Um, well, what? So I guess cutting to the chase. What do you think of this one, Steve? Yeah, I liked it. Of course, I can. I can see why it's a classic. Um, I think I would like it more when I rewatch it later on. I think it's one of those. Um, oh yeah. I was definitely conscious when I was watching it of trying to keep track of who everybody was and matching names to faces. And I, I, I remember when I was watching it, like, ah, I think I'm going to have a hard time remembering who's who. And especially since like we've yeah. talked about before, when you go on IMDb, these pictures are 40 years outdated of what they looked like at the time, mm-hmm. which, you know, if there's some enterprising young person out there who wants to make, like an IMDb page that's like a time capsule to what these actors look like at the time of the movie you're looking at. That would be helpful. But uh, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I will say I liked it. I didn't love it. I think I also kind of have the same thing as Jim where the uh, whatever you called it, I don't remember what you called it, but cosmic cosmic yeah, horror. That, that doesn't necessarily tickle my fancy the same way. Um, that makes sense because you're not big into sci-fi as we've as we found as as, we, as we've gone along. But no, but it, it was really good, and 
you know, so I have the memory of a goldfish. So even though our buddy Josh has told me to watch this movie a million times and you've talked about it, when I sat down to watch it, you know, Kurt Russell's name pops up like, oh, sweet. And then Carpenter, I'm like, oh, sweet. And then when I got really excited was when I saw the guy who did the music, was uh, Mark Owen, the guy who did the yep. music in Orca, which we fucking love. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing in this movie. I think he spent most of the time off, but he's got a couple uh, bangers in here. It yeah, doesn't I mean, sound even, like it doesn't sound like his work. No, I mean even just like the bass line, <laughs> the little that ball. that little yeah, the little bass riff. That shit's fucking. Sick. I like that I for that. sure. Um, but yeah, I was, I was definitely expecting a little bit more out of our boy Enrio or whatever his name is. Dude, that's funny you say that because I, I, I feel like I should have known that like dead to rights. But I always just figured because Carpenter does so much of his own music for his films, and this this isn't like fully in that vein, but it doesn't sound like a Neo Morricone. It it sounded like a more subtle kind of like that synth like slowed down and and like paced for this movie yeah, and sounds, tailored to this like movie. A, it sounds like a John Carpenter score. Yeah, I totally th- I thought and like this time after watching this probably I don't know half dozen eight eight or 10 times I've seen this probably. I was exp- I was going through the credits and it said Ennio Morricone. I was like, "What the fuck?" That one totally blindsided me. And then I kind of went back and looked at it and I thought it it's an interesting story how he got him to to score this carpenter got morricone to score this but um yeah it totally surprised me because it doesn't doesn't sound doesn't have his kind of signature at all well and one of the pieces of trivia i read said that his score was like so not well received that it was nominated for a razzie which i don't which i don't appreciate but no Maybe, well, maybe I mean, just, as uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this entire film and everything about it was kind of uh, lame-basted and and uh, pissed all over during the time, and only in like the last what ten, fifteen, twenty years, it's got this resurgence and like. Uh, oh really? Like, it's been oh, yeah. revered it and like the respect trashed. level. It got it, it it got trashed when it first came out. Like yeah. everybody hated this movie. It didn't make any money, and like it it um it changed John Carpenter's tra- career trajectory because this was like his first like really big budget movie. Like he had a bunch of success with Halloween and The Fog, and they were like, okay, let's see what this motherfucker can do when we give him like a, a giant budget. Um, he's remaking like one of his favorite movies from a kid and people fucking hated it. Like people, people fucking hated this movie when it came out and he had a hard time with the studios after that. And I think it kind of fucked with his confidence too. Cause I mean, this is him at the peak of his like directing powers. And like, I I really think he's proud of this movie and to make it and just have people just shit all over it. I I really think it, it kind of, it kind of fucked with his mojo a little bit. Cause I don't think he, he, I mean, he had some, some really good movies after this, but I don't think he ever recovered. Like, interesting. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that totally. And you could make the argument against maybe too. Cause I feel like he did have some, some bangers all the way up through like the early and mid nineties, yeah. but, but that's really it. So I guess you could say like, I, I feel like off just before this, he was really riding a wave and, but, I think given the fact that that he was so passionate and that he got all this money, like it it was an opportunity to like, 
to really cement himself or to push him to that like next next level if this would have been received uh well right out of the gate but um cuz i i think there there's a few things after this that that were pretty dope that he did too like uh they live um Christ, what was Christine? That was 83. Christine so that was one this, year yeah. after this. Um, I thought that was, I, I mean, that's one of my favorites, but um, yeah, it is, it is one of the, I was trying to think of an example of a film that got shit all over right when it came out and in the later years has, has become um, more revered. I can't, I can't really think of a good one. Off I can't think one head. on this scale. I, I, this is yeah. the only move I know on this scale. Cause not only is it like, do people did the public opinion turn around on it? Like, I mean, it's the number one ranked horror movie on most review aggregate, you know, aggregates like um, the Letterbox. I think it's if it's not number one, it's in the top five. Like IMDb, I'm sure it's in the top five. Like most yeah. list, it's it's in the top ten, top five. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anything like the variant came around the variance from being shit on to like to not just like you know looked at more favorably, but it's like it's it's kind of almost on an island of how yeah. popular and how like like the creature effects the you know the the plot the direction uh yeah it's it's pretty wild like i, I struggle to think of something that yeah is that so i'm similar. surprised to hear you say that because when i looked it up it's got an 8.2 on imdb which as we've talked about is like rare rarefied air for yeah and on, for sure. and on rotten tomatoes it's 85 with the critics and 92 with the people so I just mm-hmm. assumed this was universally beloved. So what do you what do you think caused the reputational increase in the last ten or fifteen years? I'd say probably I'd say probably public opinion probably turned around and maybe in the nineties. Probably maybe I don't maybe know. Maybe when it coincided with its first DVD release or something, and it got like a wider audience. Yeah, yeah, it's hard it's hard to say. I guess it'd be one of those things where I mean, especially with the internet too, I guess just uh I guess I guess it was just enough people were like, "Hey, I the thing's fucking awesome, right?" And like, "Yeah, I really like that." And I guess enough people just kind of just came to that conclusion on their own where at a certain point everybody's like, "Hold on, this movie's really good, right?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's really fucking good." <laughs> <laughs> it's it could be one of those things like, you know, where like <clears throat> like I know Ebert, Roger Ebert fucking was pretty merciless with this, yeah. with his review of this. He's not a big horror guy to begin with, but um, I mean, he, he, most of the top critics in that time period, I saw, I I went through a list of them and they're all like really bad, like going out of their way to, uh, to really kick this movie in the teeth. Kind of like, not just like, eh, it wasn't for me or like it, it had its problems. Like, like really unloading on like yeah. how, like, like gory and like uh like over the top like horror and it's it's like baseless and like you know it's it's for the dregs of society it's it's like it's poisoning it's really over the top yeah yeah like shit like that but i know a couple of things that contributed to so i didn't realize this but blade it came out the same week or within two weeks of blade runner mm-hmm. which itself didn't that's kind of another one actually now that i think about it not not the same level i don't think but blade runner is one that got shit on it got it it released to lackluster uh <laughs> reviews and and uh 
ticket sales and now has become it's got a huge cult following i mean they were able to make blade runner 2049 which i mean that's a testament right there but that is one i think that's similar not to the scale again but and then also so et was the juggernaut that year which grossed like 350 million like it, it and it was aliens also only it was a friendly one and it was like it was like people wanted um I think that dissonance between like like the most evil, depraved fucking creature alien kind of feature and then E.T., this fucking like, you know, phone home and it's like real uh like family like pulls friendly. at your heartstrings. Yeah, family yeah. friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think it was just like an overreaction to like how gory it was and they just thought like, oh no, this is below us and then as time goes on you know, in retrospect, you're like, wow, this actually is a really good movie. Yeah. That's a good call too. Cause I don't think back then. Yeah. I don't, I I wonder what else could have, that you could look at that was this gory. So it was really, it was pushing an envelope on like the practical effects and like the realism and how graphic it was. So I'm sure that, that initial, um, you know, heading out into that and bringing it to the masses is going to be met by, you know, opposition from, I mean, like the religious without getting too like up our own asses, it could be a thing where I feel like nowadays this is how the critics treat like comedy movies. You know, like if a funny movie comes out, I don't think anybody's like, this is actually a really good movie. They're like, this is just stupid, uh, you know, cake for the masses. Um, And maybe in, in the future, they'll look back and be like, wow, that actually was a funny movie. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it is a little bit harder to, uh, like, you can't get away with stuff that you could have even, like, 10 or 15 years ago or even trying, you know, without, you know, w- worrying about, you know, it hitting hitting something that you didn't intend, you know, maybe. I mean, Tropic Thunder couldn't make that today, probably. Like, I can't speaking think of, of another good of example that, like that. Not to go off on a tangent, but speaking of movies that... Not as far as public perception goes, but my own personal opinion, turning around, you know, I don't know what was up my ass that day. I saw Tropic Thunder in the theater. I fucking hated that movie. I was like, this really? shit is really? not funny. Yeah, I was like, this shit is not funny. I was like, this is fucking terrible. And like, I do not, I do not know what was wrong with me that day. And like, I saw it like when it came out on video. I was like, this movie's fucking hilarious. That was one I eluded me for a long time. I just watched that in like 2018 for the first time. Holy shit! Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw. I knew I saw more it right about like, out. I knew more about like the some of the behind the scenes shit that Robert Downey Jr. did. He there's <laughs> this really weird clip online of him like tracing on a dude's back and like explaining all this weird shit in the bathtub while he's has him at gunpoint. I think I've shown you that one, Steve, before, where he's like, and this ties back into Daniel verse three seventeen. You know all that. He's just like going full ham like just <laughs> i have not seen that it's so fucking funny it's so good um yeah he's like what do you mean you people what do you mean you people <laughs> <laughs> dude you know who jamie fox has a fucking awesome um uh robert downey jr impersonation oh. have you ever heard it no yeah, i don't jamie know the fox, impersonation he can do a grip of people. But he has a great story about Robert Downey Jr., I think. 
right? Or what which one is it? Jamie Foxx. I'm the, not sure. The last thing I heard, it was um, uh, Jamie Foxx was talking about. He was like, um, he wanted Robert Downey Jr. He he was trying to shoot something with him, and he called Robert Downey Jr. He's like, okay, I want you on this thing, but here's the thing. I want you to play a Mexican. And then he did his impersonation of Robert Downey Jr. And he's like, and he's like, he's the coolest man. You know, he's like, I asked him to do this and you, but you gotta be Mexican. And he's like, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. Like he, he nails him like perfectly, but I can't remember the rest of the story though. I just remember his impersonation just fucking had me dying. He's like, of course, of course. Uh, fuck it yeah let's do it like he sounds just like him it's yeah, really trippy jamie fox doing a, an impression of Chappelle, and it was fucking spot on it's so funny <laughs> oh really yeah i just saw dan soder i don't know if you know who that guy is oh, he yeah. fucking does a great Chappelle man i was like it's holy so shit yeah it's yeah. so good yeah um i don't know what got me on that tangent but yeah i guess i think there were a few other things that aren't springing to mind but uh yeah this just got caught in the spin cycle of like a perfect storm of competing factors working against the success of this film (laughs) one of the one of the 10 billion pieces of trivia that's out there oh yeah Uh, like on the imdb imdb page when you click 50 more 50 more it just kept (laughs) fucking going i gave up after like a thousand but one of one of the interesting ones i found was uh i think miles was talking earlier about the the budget was enormous so it was 15 million bucks back in 1982 and to compare that to other horror films of the time friday the 13th was 700 grand and Carpenter's original Halloween in 1978, 375 grand. Damn. So maybe people knew that the budget was huge and just went in with massive expectations. Maybe that played a could be a little yeah. piece of it too. Yeah, I don't know because when I if I hear a movie, they're like, "Oh, the new uh, uh, Mission Impossible," you know, 700 million budget. Like, well, it better better be really fucking good so yeah maybe, i don't know yeah, the, the yeah, blockbusters that's, today that's are, are being crushed on their own, under their own weight they they're, they're, they pump them out so fast and so often and the, the budgets are all like half a billion dollars at this point like they're not like i think and it's nice to go off another tangent i i think uh i think we're gonna see a shift in movies uh now because these money these like giant blockbusters aren't making their money back and uh I think people are getting tired of independent stuff and smaller budget stuff. I was, I was reading, I was reading an article about, uh, or I didn't read an article. I think I was watching a video or something. I don't remember, remember, but, um, they're talking about how it was, um, back when Hollywood used to do like the big, like budget epics. And, um, they just kind of, it just kind of all blew up. And then the seventies rolled around. It was all kind of more auteur driven, kind of smaller budget things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I you can I almost right. see the, you can almost see the parallel with like, well, maybe it doesn't line up quite perfectly, but it's it's situated in a good spot, like particularly like horror and like more indie stuff, people willing to take more chances. I feel like like you with the resurgence, even of just if you looked at A24, 
that and their success over the past 10, 15 years, whatever it is, uh, I feel like they've been just like steadily, you know, like they, they haven't had any major missteps at a time when maybe that's something that can fill in the gap for people that are, you know, burnout and completely on, they got like superhero overload with all the MCU and all these big budget and, and going back and trying to remind these franchises like fucking Indiana Jones 17, dude, that movie sucked, man. I was really bummed. I thought it was, uh, it was terrible. And looking at like how much they put into it and like the fact that they also have to put in, they have to almost match or like go half of what the budget was for marketing. It's like, This is so unsustainable. Yeah. How much you have to make just to fucking break even. Yeah. Break even. It's like, what do you? What are we doing here? Yeah. You know, I like, mean, as a guy who doesn't really know anything about movies, looking at the the mass appeal stuff, it's just like junk food. You know, like yeah, it might taste good, but there's no fucking substance to it at all. So right. yeah, you can get a lot of people to buy your Doritos or whatever the the new um, Avengers movie is or whatever, but. But once they realize, like, oh, there's actually good shit out there that's not, you know, this thing that's being foisted upon everybody, they, they probably won't come back. Yeah, not, not the same capacity. And just, or, just, just before I get angry. Or in, like, 30 years. Right. And, and just before I get an angry, angry message in my DM, I'm not just talking about Marvel, Hydroberg. I'm, I, I know <laughs> I'm not just talking about Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bigger problem than that. Yeah. I'm talking about They Mark. were cones. Send your shit to me. <laughs> Send yeah. it to Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, when did you first see this movie? This time. Yeah. When did you first see this movie, Jim? Did you grow up with it? No, not really. I, I think I saw that this was like another Christine situation. Like I probably saw this for the first time in like somewhere between like my later college years. Like, okay like 2006 to 2008 and it was kind of the same experience like like with Steve there's a lot going on and I was trying to like stay with it and the thing that I found over the years coming back to it is just to like cuz I, I, I immediately I want to be like all right this time I'm going to see like who did it infect first I'm going to try to like stay with it and kind of break it down this way but I eventually and this time too I just went in it like like completely like numb almost and just let it wash over me. I think that's the best way to enjoy this. Uh, and instead of like trying to trace like, and what's happening and just let it kind of hit you is the best way. Um, because you know, I like even all the stuff when people talk about like, who do you think made it out at the end, it's those two the childs and McCready or like who got infected first. And like, there's, different theories that are fun to think about but i think kurt russell said it best and i've seen a quote from him as you know because people would always ask him were you the thing or like at the end with you and childs which one which one was the thing and he's like he's like i don't think that's the point or like you're missing the point like it doesn't matter which one of us it is you know like that's and i thought that was interesting to think about because like to me the end it's just like it's like two giants that got into the slugfest and they made it out and it's kind of like mutually assured destruction like not either one of them is making it out of that so they're they're having a drink and like you know kind of a tipping their hat to each other like respect you know like we both played a good game and accepting their fate (laughs) yeah Yeah. like i I think that's the most enjoyable way for me to 
to think about it. Yeah, and it's, it's intentionally misleading too, because there there are parts of the movie. Um, I don't know if either one you came across as in trivia, but there are parts of the movie where um, you'll see someone's shadow sneaking up on somebody, and um, you know people are like, you know, you're inclined to figure out like who's whose shadow is that? Like who does that look like? And it, it's right. actually nobody in the cast. It's yeah. an extra. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. What's the the guy Dick Warlock was the first guy. Uh, yeah. That that the dog walks towards and you only see the shadow i was like that's pretty fucking cool you just like slip like something in that it's like just gonna fuck with people right like oh i know it's it's norris for sure because of the collar and like carpenter's just like sitting back he's like oh this is my buddy dick you just had him on set for the day you know like <laughs> yeah i i really like that scene a lot because that was i think the first uh instance where you're like okay i i kind of see where this is going but also i will say if I'm in that camp and I see this dog coming in and people are shooting at it and freaking the fuck out trying to kill it, I might not invite it with open arms into our camp. I might yeah, when you think it's like, it's like rabies, rabies. Yeah. Yeah, at least rabies, yeah. But then it's not, it doesn't act rabbit either. It acts completely normal. So yeah, he it, is pretty fucking chill. Does, but I I might not put it with all my other dogs. Is all, is all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's one I wouldn't have thought of before, just because I'm like, there's so much else to process. But when you say it like that, it's like pretty clear. Like, yeah, these people that don't speak English are firing weapons at this I mean, creature. Unless you thought, unless you Maybe thought they we were should... like hunting it for some reason. Like, Jesus, guys. Yeah. Fun yeah, that, little, that is a pretty good point. Fun little crossover. Uh, the guy who shoots the Norwegian guy in the eye, Gary. Yeah, I've seen him in other stuff. I can't put my finger on he it. Was, I feel like he's played a judge. Uh, fun little crossover. He was Steve Martin's dad in the classic movie House Sitter starring Goldie Hawn, wife of Kurt Russell. Fun. Well, okay. longtime girlfriend. Yeah, whatever. Partner. What do they call that? Common law? Yeah. Isn't that what you like and your old lady are? Common law married? There's like, no such thing in California. They uh, they recognize other states' common law marriage, but they don't impose that in our state. Huh. They're too busy fucking up everything else in California. <laughs> no, no time for that type of thing. Right. That's pretty <laughs> interesting, though, that, that connection. Like, there, there's a couple other things I don't think Dude. that'll connect that world but house sitter rules i don't know if you you've seen it but I, i'm a house sitter fan i actually i saw that in the theater with my mother and we oh, had a great that time it is a blind spot for me it's like uh it's okay. like house guest kind of only without sinbad and flip it f- for a female perspective and it's goldie hahn so probably better <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I haven't thought about that movie in forever. It's no Captain Ron, I'll say that. Captain Ron um, sucks. No way. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. My old lady's. I like Captain Ron. When she hears that. That's a guilty pleasure. Um, so I I have a fun connection to this. Will, uh, I wanted to. I've wanted to talk about this for a while. I haven't been able to slot it in, but um, the dude who who handles all the dogs, uh, Clark. Mm-hmm. You might. You guys might have seen him in other stuff. He's a character actor. He's been in a ton of things, but his name's uh, Richard Mazur. Um, 
I know him best as he was Dan Aykroyd's brother in the My Girl flicks, which is oh shit, uh, really a, a favorite in our uh, in our hood in wow. our family. Um, he's yeah, he's great in that. But he is in one of my favorite uh, anthology episodes. It's uh, Amazing Stories, which is like Spielberg produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Richard Donner helped produce in there. Um, but they did two seasons back in, I think it was 85, but Richard Mazur, the studio plays Clark. He was in an episode uh, opposite Gregory Hines in an episode called the amazing Fallsworth, where he plays a serial killer and Gregory Hines plays like a magician and like he can read minds and shit, but he really can. And the serial killer comes in and he's like, he's like reading people's thoughts and shit. And he sees this dude and he sees that he like, just choked this woman out in the street like just before he came in to the comedy show he's just trying to like lay low for a second and it's a cat and mouse thing uh really good i mean the amazing stories isn't specifically a horror anthology but there i think there's like 40 episodes that they did there's a sprinkling that are like twilight zone like outer mm-hmm. limits kind of horror that really kind of scratch that itch um and he's great in that one. And which brought me to, made me think of, there's a really, the most horror one that I highly recommend. I think it's on YouTube or Vimeo. Uh, there's an episode, I think it's it's uh, episode 19 from the first season. It's called Mirror Mirror with Sam Watterson, who people will know him. Law and Order. Some Law and Order. He played one of the main DAs for a lot of years. He's been in other shit too. His daughter is the gal who was the main lead in Alien Covenant. They're they look pretty okay. similar. She wears like a short bob. But anyway, um he's in that episode, Mirror Mirror, and I was looking it up directed by Martin Scorsese, and I was like, Holy oh, shit. shit balls, dude. It's a great episode. And knowing that Scorsese did that is like out. kind of blew my mind a little bit. It's very like it's it's very like a Hitchcock. Uh, tinged like quick hitter, like twenty three minutes. It's fucking awesome. Um. Anyway, that was my wild tangent that I wanted to <laughs> loosely connect to the thing somehow to to Clark. But I always thought that he was infected, and that one th- that one always throws me throws me through a loop when yeah he never gets infected yeah yeah when he gets capped and then they they fucking test him. I'm like, God damn. I always thought he was. Cause he's a fucking creep in a couple scenes. They, they're really trying to paint him like he was like in, in some of the, uh, like the first third of the movie. Dude, Wilford Brimley in this movie, he plays Blair. <laughs> he has the, he, he, he fucking kills me every time. He has the funniest fucking reactions. When he, when he, when you see him realize what, is going on when he realizes how fucked they are and he looks at he looks at clark and he's like how long were you with that dog and his eyes just get real big and he goes why he goes no reason like (laughs) his eyes just no reason at all clark and they when they come (laughs) when he's when um when uh he uh he starts freaking out and starts trying to destroy everything yeah um, Keith David's like, you don't want to hurt anybody. He turns around and shoots the door. <laughs> He's like, fuck, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll kill you. Bang. Dude, That one of the things that this time I, I was like, I didn't want to do this, but one of the things I was thinking about is the the very first scene of the thing when it's getting all fucking wild in that dog pen. 
and shit's coming out of it. What about that fucking thing that hops through the ceiling? It's like thing two, you know, like it. Yeah. One of them goes for the dogs and then it gets set on fire. But then these big ass like arms, a big chunk of this fucker goes out through the top. We never know what the fuck happens with that. Like to me, there's a couple points where I was like, it could have infected a bunch of people or like it could have got out like like to me, like boiling it down at the end to Childs and McCready, I feel like was kind of moot at that point because I was well, like, what and, about that other thing? Well, and and I mean, they they point out that it it doesn't have to necessarily absorb you. They they point out that a a single cell from it can can end right. up affecting you because this the the movie and I never I never realized this when I saw it like when I was younger, but the movie doesn't take place over that long a period of time. Like shit goes from zero to 100, like really fast. I think it's like a yeah. day or something that it takes mm-hmm. place. But he, but they bring up like, yeah, we're gonna have to make our own food. Cause like somebody could like drop their blood in our food and something and infect us. So right. um, yeah, I mean, there are pieces of this thing everywhere. The, the, even the part where they're, they're taking the blood and it, it jumps out of the thing and runs away. Like that's part of it. That's out there now. Like they didn't burn that. Like, yeah, that's a good point too. Because, yeah, if it's one cell, I mean, in one drop of blood, how many millions of fucking cells are in that? I can't remember what it is. Like, when you scratch your arm, you know, just like bare skin, you shed, like, fucking 500,000 cells, like, every time you go up and down your arm. So, yeah, this fucking thing's everywhere in that place. Yeah, and that also kind of bugged me when they found Blair's underground uh <laughs> UFO that he had built in the last yeah. 40, 45 to 50 minutes. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Just stripping like a battery out of a helicopter yeah. and like a couple pieces of aluminum and like some siding and he's got a fucking UFO. <laughs> I will say my favorite or maybe only the only part of the movie that actually like scared me or startled me was when they're going through all the underground shit and then Blair shows up and fucks that dude up. Oh, where he puts his fingers fingers. and it starts going into his fucking face. Yeah, Yeah. that was pretty brutal. That part rules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I saw this movie. Fuck, I had to have been. Shit, dude, I had to have been 10 when I first saw this. Oh, damn. Yeah, my my grandma. That's a wildly different experience. Yeah, yeah. My grandma had a bunch of movies on, uh, on VHS. Um, Cause my, um, my grandfather owned, I mean, he was a VCR and TV repairman. So like they were kind of early adopters into that. So like they had a pretty big VHS collection and like, I went oh, yeah. completely blind in this, just saw the co- the cover. Like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And just watched that and just my fucking yeah. tits off. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can only imagine being 10 with the, the stomach, the fucking oh, defibrillation my God. Dude, the defibrillator, scene. Like my heart like jumped oh, out of my chest. Yeah. So yeah, because I, I remember I, I saw that the first time I was like 23, and I was like, "Oh god, damn!" <laughs> like you don't expect that at all. And I luckily I hadn't ruined it from like access to like internet and clips and everything. Like now I feel like it's super hard like to avoid because people will put it, they'll stitch it up and they'll put it in like a short, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. really easy to like catch shit like that. But yeah, yeah that that part's very freaky. Um, you know what? This time I was thinking the part that fucking fucked me up was when Windows comes back in the room. So Bennings, the dude, so we'll call uh the poor man's Louis C.K. the red hair yeah. fella, the first yeah. guy so that, what, that turns. Yeah, 
Yeah, when he's in that room and he's doing something, and then Windows, the guy with the the afro, and he's always wearing the sunglasses. sunglasses yeah, he leaves him there for a second, and then it pans to like the blood fucking drip, like this mm-hmm. crazy viscous fucking. It looks like transmission fluid coming out of this fucking body. And then he leaves for a second when he comes back and you see this Bennings fellow and his shirt's off and he's just sitting in a chair and he's got the the tentacles tentacles around him him and his eyes are like rolled in the back of his head and he's just all like in the, in the like throes of getting assimilated and windows is like, uh, fucking drops the keys and runs like that part got me. And when it shows him and he just does that fucking like, and he's got all the (laughs) the fucked up hands. Like, yeah, that shit's fucking creepy as shit like can you imagine like if you're in that position the thing fucking just looks up at you like a human and goes like like squawks at you fuck yeah the movie the movie's very extremely nihilistic like they they are fucked from the second that shit pops off like there's no way yeah yeah any of them are getting out of there that was one of the knocks i saw too like people mentioned like how like how like uh, aggressively like nihilistic and like without hope that this this story was and that was like used as a knock against the movie like uh, it being bad or like um like without merit somehow because it was so cold and like stark like uncaring like this is the universe like not giving a fuck about you um and like human yeah, sensibilities but that's, but that's how the world works right it yeah. doesn't Which, give a fuck about you right yeah, that's that's the that's the whole crux of uh cosmic horror that's kind of where the the horror aspect comes i mean it's all lovecraft and yeah uh, yeah the the lucky die first <laughs> yeah seriously like some of the ways like the, like you could go out if there's some kind of eldritch creature fucking thing like god dude that's assimilated how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of other species. And like, it's just happened to crash line on your planet and you're just fucked because it's like, it's intelligence level has got to be like off the charts and like just all the wild shit it can do. Like, yeah, I would definitely want to be fucking peacing out first and fast, fast as possible. Um, Oh yeah, one one aspect of this I wanted to point out too. I I was watching uh like a vlog or like a video essay on this and I thought I mean it uh, bears repeating like the the amount of uh like like physical like labor intensive like with all the practical effects like the work that went in behind all of this I thought was pretty remarkable. Um so like that Rob Botine fella uh who's like the visual effects supervisor head honcho at the age of 23 24 um he was working like a better part of a year i saw like 14 months seven days a week fucking 14 hours a day he had to be he it said he had to be hospitalized hospitalized at one point for exhaustion and i mean he looked like a pretty like in shape like healthy dude you know just grinding his ass off said he slept in the studio a lot of the time just to make sure that he was there in time to get things done. And um, like some of the scenes, like probably the most intensive, one of the most intensive ones was that defibrillator scene. It had like anywhere between 30 and 40 people with like hydraulics, 
like presses, cables, blood, all the shit. And that's just that's the filming. Just that scene. Yeah. That's not going into like create making all of the shit and testing it to make sure it works. And like I was thinking about it from like a process standpoint, like everything, like all the benchmarks you have to hit and like things that you have to test just for this two minute scene, you know, for you to be able to digest and watch. Ooh, that freaked me out. But like how much like blood, sweat and tears went into the making of this film, I thought was was pretty fucking rad and and bears, you know, people taking into account for, you know. I mean, people that do CGI and VFX, they get worked hard too in a different way. But like mm-hmm. here, that when they didn't have that option to even touch things up, and everything's got to be practical for the most part, um, it just it seems like such a daunting it's a, scale. It's a, it's a lost art for for sure. Like, and and CGI has its it, it's not easy to make, and it it I mean it has its struggles and challenges, but it, there movies now i feel like miss something because i guess like restriction breeds creativity like with cgi you literally can do anything like you can literally put anything on the screen there, there it there was something about movies back then where i was like okay we have to make this shit like like out of something and like make it work <laughs> so like like it it um it definitely make, creates a lot for for a lot more restrictions but i feel like it creates for a lot more creativity too. And this, that fucking scene is so crazy. Cause you got the, you got the, first of all, the mouth fucking opens up, bites dude's hands off. It transforms. It's crawling on the ceiling. They burn that. The fucking head falls off. The eyes spread out. And it just keeps going. It's crazier and fucking crazier. Yeah. Even like the transfer from like the, the first head, the, the original head, ripping off and all that green shit. Yeah. And then sliding down and becoming the spider. Like that, that whole part, I mean, is crazy in and of itself. But then, yeah, you have the chest and then the fucking the spider octopus thing that's like up in the rafters, you know, or like up around the vent system. Yeah, it's like like corralling all of that, that chaos and then but making it look good and like flow like it, it just seems such like such a, a crazy, crazy hard task to pull off. Excuse me. And all that hard work and then, all that hard work and then <laughs> imagine imagine like some snobby critic being like this isn't that good like just yeah, reading that just that gets, would fucking drive me crazy yeah perfect yeah perfect lead in yeah. to our friend some dog shit reviewer named Josh Larson from Larson on Film he says reading this as a you're gonna want to listen to this because this doesn't make any sense. Uh, He gave it a two out of four, and he says, reading this as a Cold War allegory is doing the movie a very big favor. In reality, this is a film about tentacles and teeth and eyes and orifices and goo, goo, goo. Oh, God. Is that an old review? That's 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 a... Um, I don't know. At the time? No, no, I think it's actually from the last... Contemporary? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God! Get fucked, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus <Whoa>. Christ. <laughs> the use of three goos right there is a hellworthy trespass. I think. And how could how could this be a Cold War allegory? Uh, I mean, you got the you could. So the I've, I've seen the, the red, yeah, communist hidden amongst us. Uh, I mean, there there are a couple different allegories I've seen people 
make for this movie. And it, it works on all those levels. It's not, I don't think it's explicit in the movie, but um, I've, I've seen a couple of people uh, uh, compare it to the AIDS epidemic. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, actually, was it um, the Blank Check podcast? They had they did an episode on it, and uh, they had a um, their guest was uh, trans, and uh, they were saying, you know, I, I've always seen this as almost like a trans allegory, and me hearing that, just I've seen this movie so many times, I'm like, I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, here we go. I'm like, how is this going to tie into that? And then they actually had a really interesting viewpoint on it because they're like, yeah, because as someone who is um, LGBTQ, you look like everybody else uh, from the outside, but you're secretly different on the inside. And it's something where if some people find out that you are actually not the same as them, they will fucking kill you. And so I was like, oh shit, I've never thought about it like that. I guess I could fucking see that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought that was, um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there's a bunch of different allegories and, you know, parallels and stuff you can draw from this movie it's not it's not explicitly in there but it's there if you want it yeah it's a weird comparison because uh the monster deserves to be killed and as an ally of the trans community i don't think those people <laughs> deserve to be killed so hey man I it's did. just trying to it's just trying to survive it's not it's not doing it on there's actually there's actually you know it's funny because there's actually a short story um, I haven't read this one, but it's it's called Things, and it's written from the perspective of the creature. And, the, and oh. I haven't I haven't read it, but the whole thing is like it's just trying to survive, and all these people are trying to fucking burn it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like these weird fucking like humanoid monkeys that they're all individual <laughs> organisms, and they don't you know work together and stuff. And I'm trying to assimilate them, and you know create order and they're all trying to fucking burn me <laughs> yeah i'm trying to show them a better way yeah yeah that's way that's wild i guess you could if you frame it a certain way you could you could really talk yourself into anything i mean because what if you were the thing and you're just trying to fucking get by and like all the scary manifestations and the grotesque shit is like that's normal to you but to you and me seeing this it's like burn this fucking demon you know like get it the fuck right. out of here I mean, yeah, that's that's literally the purpose of life for every living being on the planet is to just propagate, survive, and recreate. So, <laughs> with that, I wanted to share a picture real quick of Rob Botin because this shit just fucking had me dying, dude. I don't know if you're ready for this. It's been a while since I've seen any pictures of him. Look at that motherfucker's hair. God damn. Uh, that dwarfs, like, picture Kurt Russell. He's got a pretty feathered fucking, like... Yeah. Audio podcast. Yeah. Ugh. Anybody look up Rob Botin and, like, The Thing. It'll show him in the 80s, like, from 1982. And also... And this guy's how old? He is like 20, 20 23 no. No. in this photo. Yes. No. He's 23. This is because they interviewed him. This is an interview, and I watched it about the thing in 1982. He was born in 1959. So this is 60, 82, 20, 23. 
Good California boy. Uh, yeah, he, yeah also did the, like, he also did the special effects for the werewolf in uh, The Howling. The motherfucker could have just stood in for it. Like, he was yeah, like, oh, he's there. <laughs> <laughs> they just have yeah. the, the dude and they just swap him out completely. Yeah. It's like, that's the transformation. You get called in a day. <laughs> Yeah, when I saw this interview, I was like, oh, damn, that's Rob Bottin. Okay. And I was like, he, he's 43, divorced, um, has three he got, kids. He got kicked out of ELO, so now he's yeah. just doing music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Jesus yeah, he puts Christ. like any 80s like metal hair band to shame. Like, just that, that's like a helmet going on. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's pretty epic. I wanted to inject a little levity because that just fucking had me bowled over. Yeah, he's done a lot of crazy shit. Um, yeah. And like the uh, like RoboCop. Yeah. Um, the other dude that was in this, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Dean Cundy was the director of photography uh, who we talked about in. He did the fog. He's a uh, often a. Uh, John Carpenter collaborator, their pals. And yeah, he went on his um, big stuff. Jurassic Park, uh, Back yeah. to the Future. Yeah. yeah, heavy hitter for sure. Um have, go ahead. Have, sorry. You, have you seen have you seen the have you seen the prequel? I did. And I'm I think I'm in the minority that really enjoyed it. I I liked it a lot and I felt like it um I mean <laughs> I'm not as I like practical I love practical effects. I think they're great, but I'm not a purist when it mm-hmm. comes to like I'm I'm an easy fucking pushover when it comes to like show me something cool CGI I I can totally buy it um unless it's just like cheese you know dog shit like just even like decently done CGI if there's cool shit going on I'm I'm totally fine like my wife is a fucking pure like she'll see something and she, her her trademark is she'll be like oh fucking green screen like she just like <laughs> she hates anything cgi i yeah. i'm kind of indifferent to like i don't give a fuck but so i think that's easier for me to see past because i know a lot of people had a problem with how much cgi they used in the prequel uh thing from 2011 yes. But I, with that said, I, I, in later years, when I found out that there was supposed to be a lot more practical and they were going to lean into Took it, it then yeah. I'm like, yeah, that does kind of suck because yeah. I would have liked to see modern day wizardry sticking to – because, I mean, there's a lot of shit that's – I feel like practical is also kind of hitting a resurgence. Like people are getting overloaded on like just the fucking – the levels of cgi and like how wild it's fucking going right like i feel like that's got to contract at some point too and yeah there's stuff like uh recent is like psycho gorman mm-hmm. i thought was awesome really cool fucking uh and that's the same guy one of one of the guys that did the void which i'm, oh, a, I'm a okay. huge void evangelist too and that's like i think that's 80 90 practical except for like some of the end shots when you get into their home world or whatever. But yeah, like that. And those guys, I, I think it's like Steven Kostansky and one other dude. And they're like, you know, they were inspired by these guys like Rob Boutin and the thing and all these practical features, you know? Yeah. So um, I definitely like that. And I was a little bit more bummed out, but 
I don't know. I, I, I really like uh, Winstead. Oh, yeah. In the prequel, she's I think she really carries she's it. Good. She's good in everything. I Yeah, she's rad. Yeah, it, I don't hate it as, as much as some people do. I, I It's definitely got some good parts to it. Um, some, it's got some interesting stuff, too, like how they how they substitute the blood test for um, checking for people's fillings in their teeth. So if you have any right. metal in your body, they can't reproduce it. So they, they, they kind of figure out, like, if they can check everybody's fillings and see if they um, if they have any metal in their teeth, they can tell if they're actually them or the thing because they can't reproduce that but i thought right. i thought that was pretty cool it had some it had some good stuff in it there was yeah. a um there was a planned sequel um uh i don't remember when this was supposed to come out um it was supposed to be made for tv it's supposed to be on sci-fi channel um it might have been like early 2000s but it was gonna be like a mini series and um it um i forget how it gets out of the antarctic but they it, it ends up in nevada oh shit yeah, um, there's a podcast called um, The Best Movies Never Made, and they, they go over, like, just that, movies that were, you know, from production, but never actually got made, and uh, the two guys are screenwriters, so they have connects in the industry, so they're able to get, like, guests on. Nice. Who kind of either worked on it, or in some capacity, or, like, you know, involved with it, but, um, yeah, they kind of went over the script for... Uh, the proposed sequel and it, it it had some pretty interesting um ideas that's some pretty gnarly scenes in it too from what i remember like um i think it it starts out as a rabbit and it it transfers over to a dog and then a little girl and then like you never oh, and like damn. i think i think the first scene they describe where it where it shit pops off is um i think a guy is um i might be fucking this up but i think a guy is um planning to propose to his girlfriend and oh, um, nice. he, goes, he, he he gets down on one knee, he proposes to her, and she fucking opens up and like fucking eats him or something. Like <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty fucking rad. That yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, but um, apparently apparently it gets um, it got pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, I remember that seemed pretty cool. Um, they did had some a, of, did any of that get rolled into the game? Because I I was aware of the game that they made, and like people had celebrated or yeah they, the, they thought it told a good story the ps2 game is a sequel as well i think it came out before they were talking about the sequel the mini series or maybe they came out at the same time oh, okay. it came out on ps2 it was like 2001 2002 something like that and i was mm-hmm. i was really young so i don't i didn't i never actually played it but um yeah people like the video game i think it takes place on the antarctic so the rescue team actually shows up and they find uh they're trying to figure out what happened to Kurt Russell and, and everybody. And I think ends up Kurt Russell ends up surviving and uh, showing up at the end of the huh. game and like helping you kill it and all this. But um, huh. yeah, I think people like, really like the video game. I've watched some playthroughs of it. I never actually played it myself, but um, yeah, neither did I. I was only aware of it vaguely. Yeah. yeah, dude, that'd be crazy. A setup to like it, it infect like a little girl. And have someone like real, like super innocuous like that. That could be a good setup for, for a like a jump scare getting or hopping out unexpected and like that being an intro point. Um, yeah, I, I think that like the 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 prequel was done really well, but there was some problems that I had with it too about like the continuity. I f- I feel like it. it 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 was kind of at odds with what it's setting up a little bit, but I mean, if you're wanting to scratch the itch and go back to this setting, like I think 
it's it's perfectly ser- serviceable, yeah. but I wouldn't go out of my way to say you must no, watch no. it. Also, the problem with the pre the prequel is they make the fucking the thing way too powerful. Like every time it transforms, it can it it is so fucking deadly and fast and quick. It can fucking take out if it wanted to. It could decimate everybody in that fucking camp in like two seconds flat. Like every time it transforms, it is just chopping people up left and right. And this yeah. the, the original like it's it's vulnerable. Like it can it can do some damage, but it takes a long time for it to change shape. It's vulnerable, so like it, it has to stay hidden. There's there's no fucking reason it has to stay hidden in that prequel. Like it, yeah. it transforms and it fucking just it's like just destroying the buildings and shit. Like it's like why is this staying hidden? It could just fuck everybody up in like three seconds. Like yeah, I think that's part of like the time that it was made. It was like they had to like fast and furious it a little bit. Yeah, you know, like be more modern, intense, bigger, faster. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, because if it had that kind of strength in the original, like. They would have been done instantly. Yeah. I mean, it gets bodied pretty fucking hard in the thing multiple times. Like it's gets its ass kicked. Um, but yeah, the prequel it is fucking OP for sure. It's fucking the the scene where it shows you. I I thought it was cool, more like an in an Easter egg kind of G Wiz kind of way because some of the shit that you see Steve in this the 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 thing the OG. Like that body where it's like two heads, like nerfed together that they autopsy. Like it shows you how that came to be, you know. Like, and that that scene's pretty fucking wild. Um, But the I would say the CG probably looks the the roughest, the most like rubbery and kind of like takes you out of it a little bit. Um, But yeah, I. I would be remiss too because we're trying to uh, stitch this together. Uh, so we're going to follow this with Prince of Darkness, and then followed by uh, In the Mouth of Madness. So I, w- you, I was are y'all, doing all, are y'all doing all three? We're going to do all three. Oh hell yeah! So, nice. So, and I had only become aware of this pretty recently, like that these were. It's like a loose assemblage uh, of a trilogy it's called the apocalypse trilogy and it's kind of a unique one in that it wasn't like planned i don't think or maybe carpenter did have the idea but um it seemed like he maybe in parallel or maybe uh after the fact the dust had settled like he had decided on like yeah this is part of my like self-proclaimed apocalypse trilogy and it's unique in that there's like no there's no carryover. It's only like from looking at like the themes of each of the flicks and how they comprise like this apocalypse trilogy. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but uh, there's a, a really good write up about it by a person named Oren Gray um, that I think he did in like the late nineties, early two thousands um, that talks about like the, the thematic uh the connection between the three films, but um, I mean, they, I guess the one common through line is like, they're exploring like different channels or avenues of the apocalypse. Like this is one scenario. Like when Blair runs that thing, it's like, you know, full assimilation, full assimilation. If it gets out in like 27,000 hours or something, which I can't remember what the fuck that was. It was like nine years. What is that? Something like that? No. It's like three months. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's super quick, yeah. 
I'm an idiot. Um, and then, you know, we'll get into it. Like Prince of Darkness is, is in a different form. And then the last one in the mouth of madness kind of is like a mind trip. It kind of makes you wonder like, you know, uh, if it was a foregone conclusion or if like you're already dead or if you're already in some like parallel dimension watching all this fold out unfold so um don't spoil it yeah well dude i i couldn't i don't even know if i could spoil in the mouth of madness if i wanted to yeah it's trippy (laughs) it's pretty wild um yeah uh is there anything else that you guys i know steve i've been between me and miles you haven't been able to get a word in edgewise did you have any uh notes or things that struck you about uh your first watch of the thing or things you enjoyed the most i'm happy to to defer to the experts there was one little piece of trivia that i read that it, it became a trivia for british people stationed down there in Antarctica. To watch the thing every year. Oh, it's like a rite of passage type thing. That would scare the fuck out of me if I was down there. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it's definitely, it's been too warm the past couple years, but it was definitely something where I would plan my first watch whenever it first snowed here. Oh, (laughs) yes. Get in the mood. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything else to add. Oh, this time around, I've seen this movie so many goddamn times. I was trying to find something different, like a different viewing experience. I have the uh, collector's edition, like the three disc set, and on the third disc, and buried in the special features, is the network television version of this. So it's it's the edited for TV version. Nice. Um, so I, I'd never seen it, so I checked that out. It's fucking terrible. Um, really, <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah. So, um, one, it was really cool because it's they they didn't they didn't bother remastering that. It's like a VHS quality, so that was kind of nostalgic. Um, but it it is edited edited for like fucking NBC. So, like one, it's like it's like eighteen minutes shorter because they cut so much goddamn stuff out. They Damn. they they're on network TV, so they cannot show gore. So every scene of gore is cut out. So you barely see the creature. Like you have them reacting to it and it might cut to it for a second, but like it just, it's just completely gone. Other than that, you only see them reacting and like burning it and stuff. And like, you might see one or two shots of like the actual fucking special effects. And, um, other thing that was weird about it, the, it has a narrator. They add a narrator to it. So at the beginning of the, because oh. I know, I know, uh, Steve had mentioned he had a hard time, and for years I also did. I mean, I only only know because I've seen it so many times. But it is kind of hard to figure out who's who and like kind of differentiate everybody from everybody else. And I guess they figured that was a problem with it. So in the in the network TV version, they actually have a narrator at the beginning of the movie, where every time that, like when a new character shows up, like at the very beginning. He introduces them, gives them the, their name, their job, and like a backstory for them. So like you have like it's so like because they never talk about their their lives before where they're at or like what led them there. It gives you right. all of the characters' backstory. It sounds really fucking corny, and it is. Um, but I mean, if you've seen the movie a bunch of times, it can maybe give you some information you didn't realize. You're like, oh, that's where Kurt yeah. Russell, how Kurt Russell got here. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Other than that, don't. It's I wouldn't 
I wouldn't suggest watching it. They also, it's it's like it's like it's 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 like it's dumbed down. They also do ADR where they have somebody um, standing in for the characters to add dialogue when there's moments of silence in case people are like confused as to what's going on. Like it, it gets really goofy in some spots. Um, <laughs> like uh, like over and, here, open the door. Yeah, yeah, you know, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, like when they, when they when it first yeah, transforms yeah. from the dog, <laughs> and they uh, they they put it on fire, they set it on fire, and then they come with the the fire extinguishers. You don't need to explain. They don't. You don't need them to explain why they're putting the fire out. It's a fucking burning build. Like it's a they're in a building. Like they don't want the building to catch on fire. But like right. that scene where they go to put it out, they just add a line of dialogue where he goes, "I have to see what's here," and puts the fire. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You like? What do you? <laughs> Like, it's so fucking unnecessary. That part where um, is it the character's name is uh, is it Fuchs? And, yeah, um, yeah, and science, Kurt Russell, one of the other they're, they're in the they're in the is it a snowplow? And um, he's kind of going. He finds Blair's notes and he goes, "Look, there's some crate. There's somewhere they kind of figure out they're fucked." And yeah. um, he goes, um, "Like he 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 mentions in that conversation that he has Blair's notes." But for some reason, they fucking ADR a thing where they get in the thing. And he goes, I have Blair's notebook. And like, <laughs> like, obviously. And then there's a, there's a, there's awesome. like the very end of that scene, like him and Kurt Russell are kind of sitting there. And there's like, it's not long. There's like a second and a half of silence before it cuts to the next scene. And for some reason, they just cram a line in there where he goes, you know, and Blair's are a very respected scientist. It's like, fucking, it's, it's so funny that's awesome yeah yeah i i was thinking like fuck it was the same thing i remember when i think tnt or like tbs had gotten the rights to like pulp fiction in like the late 90s or something and it was like a commercial and it was like and this saturday featuring you know pulp fiction on the superstation and i was like what it's gonna be like five minute movie yeah. like there's so much <laughs> fucking cursing like i would think the same thing of this like they would have to chop this movie in half with all the fucking gore and like it's wild yeah yeah it, it, it's a fun Tons exercise of- to go on youtube because these have all been uploaded at this point to find like a movie with a lot of cursing in it and find the tv version on youtube oh yeah have all the fucking uh die hard uh yippee mr falcon yeah that one's great <laughs> i think my yeah. favorite is monster joker from yep. motherfucker <laughs> that's an awesome yeah. one yeah <laughs> Uh, I think they did that one for a couple movies, but one they did it for uh, Dazed and Confused when Ben Affleck is like, he's like, hey, did you hear what this little motherfucker's mom did to me? Pulled a shotgun on me. It's like, you hear what this little monster Joker's mom did to me? (laughs) Monster Joker. Awesome. Oh, shit. It's like, how do you even think of that? Right. Monster Joker. Any hoodles. Um cool yeah i'm glad you like this one steve um yep. finally we'll put old duarte to to pasture got it <laughs> off your list um, is it better than orca no that's the question holy shit <laughs> damn <laughs> this is some sick shit y'all it's about to get sicker oh that i respect it old claim <laughs> You get a very angry email from some director next next week. (laughs) Not named Bob. (laughs) Bring it. 
Bring it. It'll be John Carpenteria. <laughs> <laughs> or Carpenter. Yeah. <clears throat> um all right. Uh let's see here. I thought I had another piece of trivia about this. Safe to say this is the best episode of a podcast that's ever covered the thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Everybody for sure. yeah. Say so everybody else this, can just pack it up. Yeah. No need to cover this one. We got it. Yeah. Um oh yeah, the one thing is like uh the fact that uh Nalls, the cook, yeah. he just like goes away. He just disappears. Yeah. I guess that they had plans for like his death scene or like and but it was it was too costly or like they they had gotten to a point in filming where it was like, yeah, fuck it. He died of exposure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember reading that. Because he does this time I I watched for it and I was like, Yeah, sure shit. It's like the all the commotion and Blair's underground and like the dynamite and the face the hand going into the face, all right around there, he just kinda like he does the Homer Simpson <laughs> into, the bushes. into the fucking bush. <laughs> like, later. I was like Nalls too, because I used to have a pug named Nala and I was called mm-hmm. a Nalls. So I had like a, a an autistic like connection point with him <laughs> in this. So Nalls. Um all right. Well, I think that's gonna put the old thing to bed uh yeah there's there's so much good analysis and like different like i've seen the red some of the red scare stuff which is interesting but i'm gonna put it in the show notes this dude Oren gray and then there's another guy i was watching a couple vlogs or video essays of uh what is it? it's like collative learning i think his name is oh, rob yeah. ager yeah, yeah, yeah. ager yeah He's, he's got some British good stuff. Dude. He's a little long winded yeah. sometimes, but I really like his analysis. Yeah, he he definitely can be, but he fucking he he's dialed in to his shit. Like he he yeah, slices and dices. He's pretty good. good. So uh, I'll I'll pro- I might put one uh, in the show notes too for uh, for further reading. Uh, if this was a first time or you haven't seen this very very many times and are intrigued more, um, there's people that can elucidate uh much further um hope you said an apostrophe (laughs) (laughs) thank you again miles for coming on and joining us bearing with us through the thing uh glad to have you on we'll have to have you back sometime in the near future as well if you're down anytime um I, th- I don't. We haven't had a guest to ask this before, and Steve's a real stick in the mud about fucking celebrating things. Are you a big costume guy? And do you know? Are you dressing up for Halloween this year? Um, I'm not a big costume guy, but um, I uh, I want to dress up this year. I dressed up last year. I did, speaking of Kurt Russell, I was um, I was that's uh, right. Bliskin. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was pretty badass, man. That was on point. <laughs> It was the cheapest costume I could put together from things on Amazon for less than fifty dollars. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I um, I haven't planned anything this year. Um, I want I might want to get something together, but it, it's fun. It was the first time I, I dressed up. Um, yeah, well, no, I did. I dressed up in twenty twenty too, kinda, 
kind of. I uh, I was Michael Myers because um, I had a um, I had oh yeah Canada. yeah. You went into uh, like your your intro for uh, a mat like yeah. a jujitsu match. Yeah, I as a, Michael I Myers. A, yeah, I had a jiu-jitsu <laughs> match. Yeah, I had talk a, about I had intimidation. A, <laughs> I had I had a um, Brazilian jujitsu match at a charity event um, for uh, tap tap cancer out, and um, the most oh, jujitsu yeah. events. I mean, they're, they're tournaments, so they're like it's just a bunch of matches going on at once. But this was kind of just one match at a time, like you would walk out to a boxing fight or a, an MMA fight. So they let you pick yep. your own song and everything. And I was like, I am not letting this opportunity go by. <laughs> so I, I came out in a full Michael Myers costume and um, had the Halloween theme playing. Yeah, it's it fucking awesome. And I was like, dude, if I get my ass kicked, I'm gonna look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> but um, <laughs> thankfully, I won. So dude, there's. Please tell me there's video of that. Please. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's video. Yeah. I'll, um, yes. I'll have to I'll have to send it to you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember when it happened on the Slack channel. He shared it and was like, "Dude, that is boss." But yeah, it, that's a you're you're dancing with the devil there because yeah, if you do get fucking beat, it's like God damn it. Yeah. But yeah, that is, <laughs> dude. I would not be. I wouldn't want to face you. Just looking at you in general but then seeing you pull a michael myers mask off and then fucking getting ready to fucking wrestle jesus christ no thanks um cool i want to see that video so goddamn bad i can't even tell you (laughs) i will send it yeah we'll make it happen um yeah i i think i've i've i'm pretty big into dressing up for even before I had kids, if I'm being real, but ever since I've had kids, like it's become like a de facto, like uh, we do like a all matching. We do like a theme. Like one year we did Hocus Pocus and I was Kathy and Jimmy on the fucking, the vacuum cleaner, which from you've never seen Hocus Pocus. Have you, you fucking asshole? You should nope. watch it this year. It's fun. Nope. It's good. It's, nice. Get, it, to get a good fade on and have fun. Haven't seen it. it. it Don't it care. Is, I mean, it's, it's very much a, a movie for kids, but I, uh, a couple of years ago, me and my, me and my ex, she had never, she didn't watch it growing up. And so I was like, oh, we could, we could check it out. And she, she enjoyed it. It, it, it I hadn't seen it in years. It's, it's, I mean, it is a, it is a kid's movie, but it, it, it's not bad. It, it, it holds up. Okay. It's got charm. Yeah. It's charming. Yeah. So, Yeah. Dude, one year I was like my my daughter was on a big uh, 101 Dalmatians kick, so I dressed up as a fucking dog, and I painted my <laughs> I painted my face white, like pure, like white as the driven snow, and put black dots on my face and my nose. I had a big old Dalmatian suit with ears and everything. So yeah, we're we're all in. I'm gonna this year the themes because they just went and saw not too long ago when. Uh, the live action Little Mermaid came out. My daughter's obsessed with all things Little Mermaid right now, so we're doing that. But we get the dogs involved. The two dogs are going to be the electric eels, Flotsam and Jetsam. One will be a crab. I'm going to be King Triton. Dude, last not last year, the year before, my wife dressed up because she was pregnant at the time. She dressed up as Danny DeVito from Batman Returns as the penguin. <laughs> the penguin? And she fucking, fucking nailed awesome. it, dude. It was pretty intense. That's too good. Because she was like 
seven months pregnant, she was fucking round, buddy. Like, <laughs> so it just because Danny DeVito's a ball in that movie. Like, he's a ball with like these little spindly yeah. legs. So yeah. it like worked out perfect. She found like the old, like, dingy, like, with the ass flap, like, long johns <laughs> yeah. that he wears and that, like, weird, like, <laughs> fucking tuxedo cummerbund fucking flap thing that piano players wear or whatever like yeah she went she went in so yeah we like to have a good time with it it was funny last year we did ghostbusters my son who's a pudgy little bastard he was the stay puff man and the, today he was eating and he's super fat right now and my daughter was like <laughs> he's like <laughs> she's like bubba you could be you could just be uh Stay puffed this year without the costume. <laughs> That's kind of low key fucked up, but he yeah. is. He's like a great Michelin Shit. man. Like he looks like he's got rubber bands like every six inches on his arm, you know, like <laughs> and legs just like fucking doed up from the toes up. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, so next week, we're continuing on the Apocalypse Trilogy. Uh, we're going to have Chris back from Mount Molehill uh, to discuss Prince of Darkness from 1987, another carp tender joint. Uh, it is actually on Peacock Premium right now. Uh, that's the only place it's streaming. Uh, but yeah, check it out if you haven't. Uh, check it again. Check it out again if you have. Uh, I like it a lot. I'm 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 probably one of the in in the minority. Uh it's 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 a little long and it's not as highly revered as in Carpenter's uh catalog but um I don't think at least but where are you where are you at with Prince of Darkness? Um great in concept. It I think it's a little lacking in the actual movie itself. Um it's I'd say it's mid-tier Carpenter for me. Um Honestly, it, out of all of the movies they've they've remade of his that do, never didn't need to be remade, I could see somebody doing this one a little bit better, just because it has some crazy concepts in it. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, this one could be right if it if it were in the right hands for sure. Right on, man. It just made me think. I don't know why of uh, that part in uh, Red Letter Media when uh, Rich Evans and Jay are reviewing all of Carpenter's flicks mm, and yeah. he rates something ridiculous higher and Jay points it out and he's like, so you're going with that for number five above Halloween. I think it was vampires maybe. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It Jesus was- Christ. That <laughs> man is a menace. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, maybe he maybe was, we'll get to vampires one day. I yeah. I see shit all the time now. I just saw fucking clickbait. Like why why John Carpenter's vampires is secretly great. I'm it's, like it's no, not. It's not. No, no, it's, no it's not. <laughs> you are fishing. So, all right. Uh, we've had we've had some hate worthy moments, I believe. So, uh, save those up send them on over to wax at waxing the Yep. Uh, or if you want to reach out to us on either of our socials, Instagram is at waxing the porpoise Twitter X is at waxing the porp. Any final thoughts, fellas? Nope. All good on my end. <laughs> Word. Well, thanks again, miles. Appreciate you having yes, me on and we will be back next week. Thanks gang. We'll see you when we see you.
and we will see you later. Take us out, Kristen.